Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Hey fellas, welcome to the digital version of Man Challenge. Excited for you guys to meet, uh, practicing your social distancing this week. I've got Sam Reeder here with me. We are practicing some social distancing. We've got hand sanitizer in the case that we might need it. Uh, Today, we are looking at Galatians 6, 1 through 10. But first, Sam, give us a quick overview of this Galatians series so far. Yeah, sure. So we've we've been in Galatians for about a month now. uh, And what we've said and what we've seen... Uh, is that this was probably the earliest letter written in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, on a missionary journey, went through a region or an area called Galatia that was made up of a lot of different towns and cities. Uh, And as he went through, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and he basically taught them that the only way for Jews and Gentiles to be saved and reconciled to God was through Jesus, and that was it. Uh, And then what we know is apparently at some point after he had gone through and left, someone else or another group came in and added to what he had taught them and said, it's not just salvation by Jesus, it's Jesus plus works and all this other stuff. And so then when he catches wind of that, he writes this letter back to these churches, uh, almost with a tone of rebuke at times, to clarify, hey, I've already taught you this. I don't know who's confused you or even bewitched you, is what he says. Uh, but there is no way back to God but by Jesus alone. Yeah. yeah. And so then last week, if you, if you remember... Uh, Kurt and, and Chad talked through chapter 5, which, which really plays a big role in what we're reading in chapter 6 today. You see in chapter 5 the freedom that, that comes with walking by the Spirit. And you, they talked about the juxtaposition, the conflict between spirit and flesh. And then that, that fruit from that, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Uh, that really has a, a, a pretty tremendous role in what we're studying today because that fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, those are all um, attributes or actions that are not for the self. So if we're, we're to walk in the spirit, we're not to love ourselves, be gentle with ourselves, be kind to ourselves. That's not what Paul's getting at there as much as we're to be kind to others, gentle with others, forbearing, loving to one another. And so today as we study spirit-led community, uh, we need to keep that in mind that it's walking in the spirit that provides that fruit. And today we're studying the practical outcomes of that. That's a good word. So let's read it. We'll pray and then we'll start breaking, uh, breaking it up. Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for um, your word and the gift that it is to us in um, this specific passage to helping us understand and learn how to pursue the community that you would have us live, spirit-led community. God, I thank you um, for the commands today to, to bear one another's burdens, to not give up, to not grow wearisome. I pray that as we talk about this, uh, that you would uh, grow us in comprehension, but also in, in fervor and pursuing these things, trusting your ability to work in them. Jesus, I thank you specifically for um, granting us access to spirit-led community through your death and your resurrection. Um, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So Sam, let's jump right in. Yeah, I'm going to skip verse one and, and jump to verse two because I think it has a pretty big role in this context here. My version says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is, you're, you're reading a different version than me. What does yours say and how does it hit you? Yeah, yeah. mine's ESV, and mine says, uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, which isn't that, that much different. But I will say what kind of jumps out to me immediately is just that kind of phrase, the law of Christ. Uh, because when I hear that, when I hear law, I think Old Testament. When I hear Christ, I think New Testament. Uh, so it kind of feels like what in the world is Paul getting at with that phrase? Do you mind to kind of unpack that a little bit for me and for everyone else to kind of flesh out what in the world Paul's talking about? Yeah, sure. And you, you kind of mentioned it in the Galatians overview. If you remember a couple of weeks back when Ben Cross taught, mm. he taught that, that grace uh, comes through faith alone. Uh, but that doesn't send the law to the realm of the Old Testament, that Jesus' law, what we're fulfilling here, the law of Christ, is something different. And uh, John 13 gives a really succinct, concise, helpful definition, I think. This is Jesus talking to uh, his disciples here. He says, A new command I give to you, again playing on that imagery of the law. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we've got this, this new command, which isn't really new, but it's the fulfillment of the Old Testament law of loving one another as Christ has loved us. And so what we can see in this context, and really specifically, is how did Christ love us? He, he bore our burdens. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess uh, bigger, not bigger than Jesus, but a bigger picture question, kind of like, if you don't mind to talk to how God bears our burdens. So you, you've said it, mm. a lot of it, and you even talked about this with the fruit of the Spirit from chapter 5, a lot of it is how we treat or care for one another, but I'm curious how that reflects or even mimics what God does for all of us. That's good, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was, I'd say two ways. First would be kind of the, the big picture is um, Jesus' bearing of our burden of sin. So the, the access to spirit-led community, I even mentioned it in the prayer, only comes through um, Jesus bearing our sins. Isaiah 53 says that he bore our iniquities. Hebrews 9, 28 says that he was offered to bear the sins of many. 1 Peter 2, 24 says that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So there's this first, you're right, kind of overarching burden bearing that we, you and I, Sam, are not able to do for one another. It is only done in Christ. He's the only one who can pay the price for our sins. But in our belief in that, we have access to this greater uh, fulfillment of real community. 
in which we get to see Jesus also walking with his disciples and day to day, um, bearing sort of a lower level of burdens. Psalm 68 says it this way. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. So not only do we have this atonement in sin where Jesus bears the burden of sin, but daily walking with us. Specifically, it says that he is, he is present, he is aware, and that he's, he's bearing our burdens. Does that make sense there? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of good teachers, a lot of times you'll hear, will say, let's stop and define our terms mm -hmm. to make sure we're all talking about the same thing. So if you could maybe formulate some type of definition, working definition for us, uh, for what it means to bear one another's burdens. Yeah. Make it more practical, put some meat on the bones. Yeah. I Well, let's do this first. Okay. I'll throw it back at you. A burden. What would you say burdens are before we talk about what it means to bear them? Uh, for me, I would just say something that's heavy, uh, whether it be emotional or financial. The plumbing breaks, you've got a giant hole in the floor of your kitchen, or a bad cancer diagnosis, or a lost job, mm -hmm. or something that's, that's not easy, but rather something heavy, burdensome is what I think of first off. Yeah. Yeah. So as we look at what it means to define them. I'll give a definition, but then I'm going to give two principles or realities about burden bearing that sort of fill that out. Mm -hmm. And then I'll give a couple more examples of um, some ways I've seen burdens bear, bore in my own life personally. So first, a definition. This is, uh, this is from Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. He says, to, to bear someone else's burdens is to sympathize, identify with, and become involved in the person's life so that they do not have to face it alone. Mm. Will you read that one more time? Yeah. To, to bear someone else's burdens is to sympathize, identify with, and become involved in the person's life so they do not have to face it alone. And I think that's a really great functioning definition, but I think there's a couple realities that will help fill it out a little bit more in our understanding. Mm. Uh, first would be that bearing someone's burdens is going to be burdensome. So here's, here's what I mean in that. If you are walking, carrying a hundred pound water jug mm. and I'm to help you, mm -hmm. I'm going to bear that burden with you. Sure. What am I going to do? Carry some of the weight. Yeah. I'm right. going to carry some of the weight. I'm going to, whether 60, 40, 70, 30 yeah. or 50, 50 split, I, it, the, the burden bearing process is burdensome. Um, Jonathan Edwards says it very cleverly. Here's a, a good quote for you. He says, if we never be obliged to re relieve others' burdens, but when we can do it without burdening ourselves, then how do we bear our neighbor's burdens when we bear no burden at all? So you just see there's mm. in burden bearing, there's always going to be a cost, but it's what we're called to. So sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. yeah. So what would you say, what would be some potential costs mm. of burden bearing? I think a lot of us, the first thing we think of is money. Truthfully, mm -hmm. uh, something breaks down and you want to help someone out, you throw some money at it. But I think one of the things I've learned, especially over the past few years, it's easier to give money than it is of my own time. Uh, mm -hmm. Life is so full with work and kids and everything else. Uh, but, you know, sacrificing and caring for the burdens of others, it's not just money. It's not just time. There's an emotional weight to carrying, you know, the burdens of others, too. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of aspects to it, I think. Yeah, sure. I think that's helpful. So, so one reality is bearing burdens is some level of burdensome. The second would be, and, and look at the verse here again with me, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You can infer from that that there, there aren't people 
who don't have burdens, meaning we all have burdens both that we need to be bearing, but also burdens that need to be bored or carried for us. So I would encourage you as men, knowing my pride in this, uh, is that uh, there are two ways that we cannot fulfill the law of Christ here. One is I cannot bear your burden, Sam, but two, I can prevent you from fulfilling the law of Christ if I'm not vulnerable, honest, authentic, real with you about what I need you to carry. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's something I'd encourage you men, uh, especially as we go into conversations today after this, as we tee up conversation, is yes, you're called to bear one another's burdens, um, but you're included in one another. So a few examples of burden bearing that I've seen um, personally, but also that are in the text. Verse one is a really specific example. It says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. So one way to bear one another's burdens is... Um, restoring someone who's in sin. And if you're catching a theme here, there's a cost, right? You're stepping into a messy, a sinful situation, but you are, you are bearing a burden with them and helping them be restored from that. Verse six gives another specific burden-bearing opportunity. It says, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Mm. So truthfully, this has financial implications, but it also suggests some emotional encouraging, essentially saying, um, for the people who have cared for you, you can encourage them in such a way that it lightens their load. I know I've been in ministry moments that I've been encouraged, and that has lightened the load of the ministry I'm doing. It's a, it's a way to, to bear a burden. I've seen real practical examples of, of burden bearing. Last year I had car issues, and Ronnie Cordray stepped in, and he helped me secure a temporary car. He helped me clean that car. He helped mm. me sell a car. It was, it was burden bearing. And I think a, a specific way uh, and really important way is, is Sam here has, has been someone who I've developed a good friendship with over the last couple of years. But I think you bear my burdens in prayer mm. astonishingly well. So I'd want to ask you, why do you think prayer is important in the realm of burden bearing? That's a good question. Uh, I think I've kind of been backed into a corner in a sense really with that. When I first started Man Challenge, I worked, my wife was in school and there was a ton of margin in our time or in our calendar. Uh, so I, I had a lot of freedom and flexibility to meet with guys and to go help guys with certain projects and whatnot. And as time went on and she got a job and we've had a kid and another child, uh, the margin has just shrunk. Uh, and so my, my flexibility to physically go meet needs and to help uh, has really been minimized, at least in this season. Uh, and so I have found, by the grace of God, an opportunity to serve my men by taking it to the Lord in prayer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it may mean getting up half an hour earlier and going to my closet when everybody else is asleep. But that affords me the opportunity to, to share those burdens with my brothers, but then take it to the Lord. And what I've really learned, I think, through that is uh, it's probably a lot more helpful to do that than for me to hop in a car and go, go physically to them and not to minimize meeting physical needs, but it's taught and trained me a lot in terms of uh, relying and trusting the Lord to be who he is mm. and me to rest in who I am and who I am not. That's good. Cause yeah. you're, you're pushing it across the table to the only sure. being yeah. who can do anything about it. And I personally can think of times where Sam, without being prompted, his texted me, called me, man, I was on my face in my closet this morning on my knees praying for you. And the reality of the, the burden lifted 
and, and put on his shoulders, but both of us taking that to the Father is, is one of the beautiful blessings of Christian community that, that Paul's really getting after here. I think to be fair, I, I have done that some, and I, I've seen how the Lord has worked through me, but okay. it's definitely not an easy thing to do. There's, yeah. seems like more often than not, I can come up with multiple reasons to not wake up early and to go get on my face. <laughs> sure. uh, it seems like it's, no matter how you're bearing those burdens, it seems like there's always pushback coming from somewhere. Do you mind to kind of talk through that for a few minutes? Because uh, even though we know it, it, it's helpful and it's loving and it's spirit-led to bear one another's burdens, mm. it's not easy. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And that's that's really where Paul's argument he's building moves here in the text. <clears throat> and, and so I'll kind of point it out first in, in speech and then show you in the scripture how he's doing so. So throughout all of the Bible, Kurt mentioned this last week, we've got three enemies. There's there's the devil, Satan, and demons, the, the principalities who are looking to discourage, to oppress, to accuse us. There's the world who are looking to dis, uh, tempt and distract and shift our eyes from the Father. And then what we talked about last week mm-hmm. is that war with the Spirit is our very own flesh, yeah. our self. And so uh, walk with me here. We're going to go back up to chapter 5, verse 25, and sort of look at what Paul's doing because he's saying, Step into godly community, but fight your flesh. Mm. Move into faithful obedience, but you need to watch your flesh. So, so chapter 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But, verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Then again, verse six, or chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore them gently. Step into that. Mm. Help them. But... Watch yourselves, or that, or you also may be tempted. Then again in verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Then verse 3, but if any of you thinks that you are something that you're not, you deceive yourselves. So we just see this uh, warfare mm. being continued from chapter 5 as we're at war with ourselves. And so what Paul very helpfully does is gives us some practical ways to, as, as he writes earlier in chapter 5, to crucify our flesh in order that we may participate in spirit-led godly community. Mm-hmm. So I am going to I'm going to list essentially some do's and don'ts here that I would encourage you guys if you're note taking write these down because we're going to talk about them specifically in in discussion afterwards. So uh, verse 3 is where we're going to start. If anyone thinks they're something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So your first don't don't deceive yourself. Don't think that you're something that you are not. And I'm going to actually kind of put a little subcategory under the do's. Those are the don'ts are, are negative commands. I want to give some positive commands, uh, but I, I want to sort of parse out first why we shouldn't be deceiving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Romans seven eighteen. Chad mentioned this last week. Uh, it says uh, Paul's writing here. Paul the apostle. Let's keep that in mind. He says, "I know that nothing good dwells in me." That is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And so what Paul's suggesting here is you need to keep reality in view. You need Mm -hmm. to know who you are in humility. Who is it that you stand... I bring nothing to the God of the universe that I can offer to him that is worthwhile. I have turned my back, run the other direction, and said I'll never turn. But gracefully, Mm. he's turned me. Uh, and so, so I feel like what you're saying is don't think highly of yourself, but the way to do that is to look at God. 
Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. The, the little do sub point under here would be do dwell on the humility of Christ. Mm. Philippians 2, write that down. It is a beautiful exposition of the, the fastest way that I fight pride is looking at Philippians 2 and seeing the God of the universe, Jesus, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but mm -hmm. emptied himself, was put on a cross, and died in my place. He was entitled to all these things, but yeah, so don't deceive yourselves. Do dwell on the humility of Christ. Verse 4 then goes on and says, each one should test their own actions. So do test your own actions. This is sort of a simple... Check your heart. Check your heart. Yeah, Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all else. Proverbs 4 talks about guarding your heart. We need to be looking at what we're doing and testing that. Because we might be doing the right things for the wrong reason. That's what Paul gets after in 1 Corinthians 13, right? And so mm. if I am uh, to, to test my actions, it might be placing my actions before Sam and saying, what do you detect in my heart? It might be placing them before the Father. So do test your own actions. And Paul goes on and says, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So here's your second don't. Is don't compare yourselves to others. Mm -hmm. Don't compare yourselves to others. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why we shouldn't doing this. First and foremost would be you're using the wrong measuring device. Mm. If I got pulled over, cop pulls up, knocks on the window, says, son, do you know how fast you were going? I said, one second, officer. I reach over and I pull out a thermometer and pop that puppy in. That's the wrong measuring device. It's a, it's a silly illustration. But when we compare ourselves to one another, that's, that's the reality of it. We're so off base. Mm. Uh, Bishop Hanley, Hanley Mool puts it this way. He says, you might compare yourself to the harlot, the liar, and the murderer who are all short, but so are you. Perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mine, and you on the crest of an alp, but you are as little able to touch the stars as they. Mm. And I think what's important about comparison and you can cut me off when you need to here, is what it does is it it either puts, if I'm comparing myself to Sam, I'm either putting him in a, uh, a superior position to me or an inferior position to me. Mm. And what Paul's getting at in this spirit-led community section is our, our, our conduct to others is determined by our opinion of ourselves. Mm. And so if I think of myself as less than you, I'm functioning in a way that is not aligned with Scripture. Say that line again, our conduct of others... Our conduct to others is determined by our perception of ourselves. The way we see ourselves, the way we interact in relationships is largely determined by uh, how I perceive me. So if I think I'm less than you, mm -hmm. I'm inferior, I'm prone to envying you. Mm -hmm. I'm not glad that you have what you have. I want what you have. Sure. But oppositely, if I'm proud, if I see myself as superior to you, I don't I don't care for you. I am, I'm... Concerned more with myself. I think that you don't have what I do and that you should mm. But what scripture say about that? Romans 3 23 says we've all oh. sinned and fallen short of the glory of God yeah. So there's a level playing field there and then as believers We talked about this a few weeks ago in Galatians 3 We're all sons of God if we've believed in Christ So Paul's getting very clear don't compare yourselves the do I would say the sub Heading there is do find your identity in Christ. Mm. Good. And last one, and then, then we'll, we'll shift on here. Uh, verse 5, 
says, uh, for each one should carry their own load. So there's some level of responsibility here. So we've got don't do, don't do. Finally, this last do here is do carry your load. I kind of feel like, and maybe I'm wrong in this, I kind of feel like that's a little bit contradictory. At least it seems like it. I mean, it, we've been saying, hey, you're supposed to carry everyone else's burdens. And then now it's like carry your own. Yeah. Maybe contradictory is not even right. Maybe it can even feel like, Paul's saying, okay, if you're a Christian, now you carry everybody's junk. Your junk, their junk, everybody's junk. And maybe that's what the spirit-filled life is. Is that what's going on here? Can you kind of That's a great question. A yeah, because even you can almost move into a a sort of Messiah complex. Like, I got to take care of myself, sure. and I got to take care of you. That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. So I think one thing that's helpful is in this text, the verb up in verse 2 in the Greek is actually different than the, the verb in verse 5 for carry. So the verb up in verse 2 is um, insinuates an overwhelming load. What is that word? It is baros. Oh. Yeah, wow. Baros. Baros, and it means it's, it's, if Sam is just overwhelmed, but this, this second word, fortian, suggests more of like, a, like if I'm carrying a backpack. Hmm. Does that make sense? So if we're hiking... And you've got that hundred pound water jug. I I still am responsible for carrying my backpack, but I'm also responsible to help you get that jug up the mountain. Does that does that make some more sense? Yeah, that helps clarify. Because I guess correct me if I'm wrong. One is an overwhelming. It's you just got diagnosed with something heavy. Hmm. Versus we've all got our daily stuff, work and stresses and whatnot. Um, that's kind of the typical life outside of the garden burden that we carry. Yeah. Uh, but Paul's not calling us to carry everyone's everything all the time, but rather there is something that is your responsibility, but also when others are overbearing, we're to step in and to serve there too. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and Kurt and Chad gave a really, really great mm. way to learn how to carry your own load last week. They talked through some spiritual disciplines. That's mm -hmm. the, the yeah. biblical way we carry our own load is through through doing that. So uh, we mentioned verse six earlier, but I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on to verse seven, cool. which says, "Do not be deceived; God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows." He goes on in verse eight and says, "Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life." That's a heavy-hitting set of verses there. Sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Mm -hmm. As a Bullock County boy, you can maybe fill us in on the context. What is sowing and reaping insinuating? Uh, well, you, you get what you put out. Um, if you're sowing seeds of trash and seeds of anger and seeds of resentment, you're not going to have a lot of fruit of mm -hmm. patience and kindness and goodness. But when you're when you're feeding on the Word, when you're when you're being faithful. Uh, I think you can expect to to bear the fruit that you're to correspond with the seed that you're planting. Yeah. Like my dad didn't play golf. My mom always said that gardening was his golf. Uh, so if if he put out a, a tomato plant and expected to get eggplants off of it, he was a fool. Uh, but if you plant tomato seeds, you expect to get tomatoes. Yeah. So practical. And get this what you sow. this runs right from that Galatians five text last week. Mm -hmm. If you sow the spirit you'll see fruit of the Spirit. And Chad and Kurt, we won't spend a lot of time here because you really should if you didn't watch last week. That's a, mm. This is a succinct thesis of what they unpacked last week. Mm. But something they mentioned and something Sam just alluded to is that sowing seeds 
practically looks like um, thoughts and deeds, right? So the, the battle always begins in our mind. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson has a great quote that kind of encapsulate, encapsulates this. He says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Mm-hmm. And that is a really simple way to, to, if you put that in this text, if you're sowing flesh thoughts, you're going to reap destruction. If I like that. If, so sow, thought, action, habit, character, destiny. Yeah, that's your trajectory that's is, is defined by that, right? Mm-hmm. So what are, what are some ways you practically sow in the spirit? You're someone I've seen do this well, but what are some ways that you, you consistently do that? I think the one that I've seen the, the Lord work through probably the most consistently is probably the area that I'm most consistent in planting the right kind of seed, uh, and that's just in daily getting into the, the Bible, uh, feeding on that regularly. And I can't tell you how many times guys have called me in the middle of, of uh, a season of stress or anxiety or even just a, a regular question in their own studies, and I just happen, providentially, to have the very verse or passage that would bring clarity or encouragement, sometimes even conviction. Uh, and it's not because I've got this whole book downloaded in my brain. It'd be cool if I did. Uh, but it, it's really just faithfully staying in it and the Lord, the Spirit, working through that uh, to just give me the right word at the right time to encourage someone. Hmm. Yeah, That's good. And it's it's a blessing. Uh, I hope you'll have experienced in, in some capacity this, but it's a blessing to receive that even. Watching hmm. the fruit of the Spirit come out in Him, and this is the reality of this spirit-led community we're talking about is as Sam is obedient and faithfully sowing in the spirit, mm. he's reaping a harvest that I'm getting to enjoy, right? That's the beauty of community is really um, as I carry my pack, as I carry my own load, the output of that isn't just personal. The fruit of the spirit are for the community. That's what, that's what Paul's running after here. Mm. He goes on in verse 9. Speaking of running, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So he sort of bookends that with a, an idea of endurance, persistence. Yeah. Why? I think because, as we've said, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to help me carry that 100-pound jug, we can only go so far, and it just it gets heavier and heavier as you go. I mean, for me personally, and I shared this from stage a couple months ago, uh, that you know, I've been through a season with my men and extended family that has just been a lot of burdens recently. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm eager and, and grateful that I'm able to help carry some of those. But uh, a mom who just had a mastectomy, another mom who just passed away, another negative pregnancy test after years of trying, just a lot of heavy stuff. Uh, and so I, I feel like that verse 9 from Paul is just such a very realistic approach to saying, hey, keep grinding. And, de- you know, there's a harvest coming, mm-hmm. but if we don't give up. And I also think that verse is so timely right now mm-hmm. uh, in a season of mass hysteria and panic and stress and fear and unknowns where a lot of us don't have good timelines right now, how long we'll be at home or away from work or whatever it is. A reminder to be faithful in season, out of season, be faithful, don't give up. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's congruent with the rest of this passage, right? This isn't a test your own actions one time mm. or don't compare yourself once. It's consistent, it's ongoing, it's progressive. And to your point, today, as you as you listen to this, is a great 
time to see the reality of what it means to endure and wait for God's proper timing. Mm-hmm. 10 says, therefore, in light of, light of what we just mentioned, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Mm-hmm. I think something that I see in that verse, that last line, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I don't know, maybe you feel differently than me, but I feel like as a, as a church even, as a, as a Christian in America, we're called to love others mm. uh, consistently. Go after them, neighbors, coworkers, run, run, run. This sort of feels a little bit exclusive, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So it's like, yeah, take care of them, but also in here. And so I, I wrestled with that this week. Um, but thankfully, well, the text we mentioned right at the very beginning of this, John 13, Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you. He's talking to the disciples, the, the community of believers at the time. And then he gives us the reason why in, in verse 35. He says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, mm. if you love one another. And so I, I mentioned there's a, a personal aspect to community. There is a a communal aspect to community where as I reap the fruit of the Spirit, Sam benefits from it. But even as we reap reap the fruit of the Spirit together, Mm. the world is seeing that and being pointed to Jesus. I think that's a good word because I think also, uh, like what you've said, the emphasis seems to always be outside the church, and that's that's beautiful for evangelistic reasons. But I think also if we believe we're a family— a community of brothers and sisters in Christ. Like what? What brother wouldn't take care of his brother? Mm. Like if we are a family. So when the world, who may be unbelieving, looks at us who are claiming faith in Christ, we should look like a family of believers who are caring for one another. Yeah. So I think I, I think it's helpful that you wrestled with that because I did too. Yeah. And I think to kind of clarify that that it's not being exclusive. Don't care for them. Only care for each other. But it's saying, hey, they're looking at us. We should be modeling what Christ models for us, too. Mm. Yeah. And it yeah. says there, too, one last thing before we, we pray and um, talk through some discussion questions. It's as we have opportunity, mm. I would be remiss if I didn't mm. make mention that, fellows, we have opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. The church is called to be the church in this season. Um, we want to be wise and discerning and adherent to what the CDC is recommending, to what our government is recommending mm. and suggesting. But in the same vein, there is, there is need. So it's not as it is convenient or as it is cost-free or as it fits your schedule. Mm. But as you, as the opportunity arises and the reality is it has risen, there is plenty of opportunity. So uh, Sam, would you, would you pray for us to close this out? And then I'll, yeah. I'll walk through the discussion questions that you guys can have um, to talk through this week. I will even say just to follow up your point, mm. I think a great way you can take advantage of the ample opportunities right now is a way that we just kind of talked about is through prayer. Mm. You may not physically be able to go somewhere. You might be able to go drop some supplies or medicine or groceries off at someone's front door who's maybe being quarantined. Uh, but absolutely sending an audio message, a video message, uh, calling someone or just flat out them not even knowing and you just getting on your face and praying yeah. uh, for them. Uh, 1 John uh, 5.14 says that uh, we can have confidence and know that when we go to God, if, if we are in accordance with his will, he hears us. Mm. And what an encouragement that like he has called us to bear our burdens for one another. So let's be faithful to do it because we know he's going to hear it. And he's the one who's above and sovereign over all. 
So what better thing could we do, especially in this season right now, than to get on our face and, and, and to take it to God? Amen. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get to the questions. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the relevance and the truth of your word that was written centuries ago and is as if it was penned yesterday in terms of its relevance and application. I pray, Father, I pray, Spirit, uh, that you would work through us, uh, the men who are hearing this message, and I pray, Spirit, that you would bear fruit in and through them, uh, in their families, in their homes, in their workplaces, uh, in their communities, God, uh, that we would be a community uh, who is marked by love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control mm -hmm. and in bearing burdens with one another that we would emulate you uh, because, Lord, you, you bore our burdens on the cross for all eternity uh, so that you could redeem us to you. And then you sent the Comforter to bear this fruit uh, in and through us for your glory and for the good of all of those around us. So I pray that... Uh, you would be faithful to doing that, uh, and that uh, you would be glorified by it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me run through these questions for you guys as you discuss via Google Hangouts or Skype or whatever you might be Zoom. using. Zoom, yeah. First is, what's a burden you need carried? So this one gives you opportunity to carry the burden of others as well as um, verbalize and become vulnerable about your, about your own, but also... Uh, an opportunity not just to ask brothers to carry burdens, but to ask God mm. as he daily wants to carry our burdens to, to shoulder those for us. Two, of the do's and don'ts that I mentioned in verses three through five, mm. which of those do you most need to grow in and why? And then lastly, what is one way uh, you're going to sow in the spirit this week? Mm. What's one way you can sow in the spirit this week? Love you, men. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.